Welcome to the Advice and Insights Podcast with David L. Bonson. Hello and welcome to Advice and Insights Podcast. This is David Bonson, Managing Partner at the Bonson Group, and we have some fun things in store for you today. Maybe not quite as fun as this market ride has been since uh, we last talked with you all, but I'm going to walk through all of that today. I want to introduce right now our special guest this week, who is my partner and dear friend, Brian Seitel. How are you doing, Brian? Doing great, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Brian was the very first uh, individual to become a partner in the Bonson Group after the person with the last name Bonson. Uh, Brian joined our group in 2012. He's been a practitioner for roughly 17 years and worked at a couple of major Wall Street banks. And, and he and I got to meet at Morgan Stanley, where we both came from, became good friends, had a very similar investment philosophy, and it made a lot of sense for us to kind of uh, join forces. And this is now, um, oh, about five and a half years ago. And then when we brought the Bonson Group independent, he was a part of that process from day one. And so is kind of the longest standing uh, other partner in our business. We, of course, have since expanded, added some others. But Brian is on our investment strategy team. He is the director of our private wealth advisor group, works closely with our other advisors, and uh, is just, uh, for those of you who are clients, uh, absolutely fantastic uh, manager of client relationships and and so forth. So that's kind of uh, his role, and we're going to kind of talk through a few things today. Brian, why don't you make a couple comments just in terms of kind of your uh, experience coming in the Bonson Group and our our journey here to this uh, road of fiduciary independence. Sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for the kind introduction. Um, like David said, you know, I started in this business in uh, October of 2002 at a firm called UBS Payne Weber. And coincidentally, David had joined the same firm maybe 10 months or so before, uh, just in a different location. And I spent uh, three or four there, uh, years there and moved uh, to Citigroup at the time, Citigroup Smith Barney, and uh, spent time time there and ultimately that firm transitioned to Morgan Stanley, where, uh, as David mentioned, we met. Um, so I kind of had a, a solo practice there for 10 or so years. And we combined forces in 2012 there and uh, for all the reasons that that David mentioned um, and uh, uh, so on and so forth. And then 2015, we moved to our new world here in the independent space um, to sort of remove our practice that we had built uh, into a fiduciary paradigm, um, which you know, isn't, isn't really readily available through the wirehouse world that the Morgans and the Wells and those types of firms through Hightower. And so that's where we've been here. And it's been a joy. Um, it's been a lot of work and a lot of fun. And, and I think we've uh, really done a lot of uh, great work for clients and, and really helped um, help them. And it's, it's just been a joy for me. Um, my role on the team here, as David mentioned, is is around uh, largely uh, relationship management with uh, with our clients, and it's something that I find a lot of joy in doing, and and uh, uh, get to do every day. So I'm I feel very blessed, very fortunate to to be here and part of the team um, here. Well, so so you mentioned that relationship management, and both of us in our capacity as people who who get to deal with clients, I talk a lot about the fact that we kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, our our job is to manage money and also to manage people. 
And I wouldn't want to manage people without managing money. And I wouldn't want to manage money without doing it for people. And, and I think that probably resonates with you as well. But tell me um, what, what you thought about this week we're kind of in the middle of here. The market, as we're talking, is up about 300 points on the Dow. It was up about five or 600 yesterday. It was down 1,100 plus change the day before. Uh, it was down last week about 1,000 points plus change. So, you know, we're all over the map. And we haven't been all over the map. The volatility has been insanely limited for, oh, a long time, year and a half now or so. Um, so as we deal with these client relationships, what are your thoughts uh, as we experience uh, a little overdue resurgence of volatility? Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, we went through, gosh, 18, 19 months, uh, end of 16, all the way through 17 through January of 18 with really, to speak of really no volatility at all uh, in my career, which is like David said, maybe 16, 17 years now. I don't remember a year like that other than maybe 03, kind of coming out of the fun, uh, the dot-com uh, uh, disaster there and, and recovery where you just sort of had the sanguine year where things just sort of melted up uh, throughout. And so I think, you know, there's complacency that gets built into markets. I think people get comfortable and, and you know, people that maybe um, don't actually have the risk appetite for equities sort of find themselves in the equity market just because it's been doing so well. And, and so when you get, um, volatility returning, I, I'd, I'll give you the pros and the, and the cons with it. I mean, it's number one, it's inevitable. I mean, markets tend to correct, you know, 10 plus percent every year. Um, we didn't see it for a year and a half. And so we were due, we wrote a lot about it. Um, but when you get, you know, this sort of lazy money coming in and, and kind of complacency in markets, when you do get volatility, it tends to be uh, pretty, pretty sharp. And, you know, and that's not enjoyable. I mean, it's, um, it's part of how markets work. And you, you know, you get more volatility than the normal, you get a lot of people that just came in end up selling out, unfortunately. And, you know, our job as advisors is to kind of guide people through that. And while it adds stress, and for everybody, including us, it's, it, you know, ultimately, it's not anything we haven't been through about a thousand times, uh, literally. And so it's it's our job to be able to kind of talk with people and sort of give them some rational insight into what's going on and, and the reason why things are selling off and, and, and talk about fundamentals and, you know, have things changed and they haven't. And, and we sort of walk through it. You know, we didn't have any clients, you know, sell out or anything. We had some nervous folks and that's okay. It's ultimately why we're here. And so, um, so, you know, it, it's fine, you know, and, and um, but, you know, going through, I mean, you know, just because we didn't have volatility and there was complacency and we've got this huge drawdown, um, you know, like, like David mentioned, 1178 points on Monday with uh, a post-close futures market down another five, 600 in the after hours, sort of retesting the intraday lows. Um, it did feel a little capitulative uh, uh, in the market and you get people flushing out. And of course, we got a rally the last two days since. I'm not saying that it's necessarily over. I'm just saying that these things tend to work out that way. And well, um, that, so. Yeah, you're right. And, and it's funny. Um, you, you talk about the kind of thousand times we've been through it before. You know, it's funny. We did the research this week and we've literally gone through it 60 times just since the financial crisis, uh, meaning... Uh, 60 different incidents, all of which have taken place in a bull market um, where there has been some sort of market uh, gyration, uh, panic attack is the term that we used in, in a market writing, in a client writing this week, 
But but um, it doesn't feel like that to anyone because the market, of course, is up so dramatically so from the financial crisis. And 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 obviously, the other day when we were down 1,600 points on a point basis, that was the highest ever. It, it was only the 108th biggest percentage drop we'd ever had. But but um, when you take it in perspective that we've had 60 such incidents, it kind of does two things, doesn't it? It sort of reinforces what investors shouldn't do, and it kind of reinforces how often <laughs> you and I have to to get to work and 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 hold people's hand. Yeah, no, it's 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 exactly right, and uh, in every single time it happens, it's 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 you know people are, are fearful every time it never really gets easier it's just sort of a broken record it keeps repeating itself and it's how markets work and it's normal and healthy and and um and just and just part of it but yeah i mean i think when i think back on recent history um i mean i guess i could look back at 2015 and kind of go through the downturn there with china and with with oil and, the, and those markets that were spooking everything and and that was a scary time that was actually in a lot of ways, you know, worse because it wasn't just a day or two; it was it was prolonged and in uh, a bigger drawdown overall. But uh, it, and then I, I think most I can relate to this uh, so far, and you know, is is kind of the 2016 summer of 16 when we went through the Brexit, the UK um, uh, Brexit uh, time when they were leaving the uh, uh, in the EU. But um, markets were down maybe a week or so, five percent, and then ended up rallying back after. Um, and I would say when you look at this time around, again, there was complacency. I think it happened a little faster and a little bit more dramatic than people realized. And the silver lining to that is just oftentimes and not every time, but oftentimes when you do get that sort of capitulation right off the bat within the first couple of days, you, you can find yourself kind of coming out of it. And, you know, I, I think when you look at this particular market panic, um, I would probably look at, at three things, um, you know, growth. Um, how growth affected interest rates, and then how the volatility um, uh, came about afterwards. And you know, through with growth, I mean, we had good numbers. the The difference this time is that markets were selling off with good news. You know, Friday we had jobs numbers that came out better than expected at two hundred thousand. We had wage gains at 03 percent month over month, about two point nine percent year over year. Those were all those were all good things. You want to see people making more money, people employed. Um, and markets really kind of sold off uh, on the good news simply because interest rates started to move higher. And and that's normal. You know, you get more growth. Uh, but do you, you buy into the argument that the wage growth in particular is the potentially inflationary uh, kind of kindling that is sitting out there? I mean, it wasn't just obviously healthy jobs market. We've had that for a while. A lot of new jobs being created, very low unemployment rate. It seems that the wage growth sparked a sort of inflationary fear. They don't see the inflation yet, but maybe they fear the inflation coming. What's your what's your thought on that? Yeah, no, that that's it. I mean, I, I do think, and I definitely subscribe to that um, thesis on why things uh, sold off. You know, wage growth is a leading indicator for inflation. You know, you, you have kind of a double effect. You, you have people, companies that need to pay employees more because of a tight labor market. People make more money and so they can afford more things. So more money chasing the same amount of goods tends to drive prices higher, which ultimately affects profit margins in companies. And so they pass those prices um, uh, on to customers, raise their prices a little bit. And that's that's what the Fed looks at. That wage gain number is very important. They look at that as a leading indicator on inflation. And so for them to stay 
either effectively on the curve or even a little ahead of it where they want to be uh, with where they're going to have Fed policy, um, it's an important tool and a metric. And the markets have been looking at that. We haven't had wage growth now really since the expansion. Uh, so we're just starting to see it now. And that's what spooked things a little bit. I mean, the and, and it ha- how that kind of played through to interest rates was they moved up. I, you know, I mean, I've in my career, I mean, we were talking um, about low rates. So we're talking about a 10 year going from 245 to 285, meaningful move, no question. But I mean, we're still talking very low rates and a very flat yield curve uh, to boot. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's that's sort of what we went through the last uh, week or so. Rates have come down a little since the sell off, and that's normal as well. You know, you get stocks that sell off, and, and money tends to flow into safe haven assets like the dollar or treasuries, and rates have come down maybe ten basis points at this point. But you're going to have in 2018, you're going to have this continued tug of war where you've got growth, we've got an expanding economy with tax reform just now, you know, and not even yet come, going to come online and infrastructure spending. Those are all stimulative. And um, so you're going to have markets that are going to react accordingly. You're going to have interest rates that try to move a little higher. And I think the pendulum will just tend to kind of swing back and forth with growth and, and higher rates and how, how that kind of balances out over the year, um, which is why we've been talking about a, a um, a little bit uh, higher volatility in 2018 than 2017. Well, in terms of the um, volatility that is not uh, pertinent to Monday and 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 yesterday, where you know we had 29 different points yesterday, where the market moved from up on the day to down on the day. Uh, it opened down 500 points. It closed up 500 points. You know, we already talked about Monday's insanity. I took a phone call from a client. The Dow was down 700. Uh, the um, middle of the phone call, the Dow was down 1,600. The end of the phone call, the Dow was down 700. And and so you had that kind of stuff going on Monday, Tuesday. All right, well, that's volatility. Okay, but that's not necessarily what we're referring to. It was extraordinary. It was computer-driven. It was algorithmic. It was just kind of piling on in the technicals. But let's talk normal volatility when you have maybe not as much repression from the Federal Reserve, central banks, you get just markets acting normal. Um, 10% downside from a high point to a low point, what we call a drawdown, uh, each and every year, basically being kind of the average, uh, really many times more than 10%. You think that we'll see something like that this year, that we'll, we'll have that level of correction? I guess we did, didn't we? Uh, from from a high point to the intraday Monday, it actually was down 10% at one point. But t- tell me if you think that the um, positive fundamentals of the economy that we obviously agree on and, and are investing uh, based on tax reform and, 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 and the GDP growth and ability right now for companies to add to top line revenues. Do you think that in the midst of this kind of healthier fundamental backdrop, that we will still see some more normalized volatility, which is code for higher volatility than 2017. You know, I do. I, you know, and, and you're right. The intraday low was technically, I think, just about a 10% uh, correction, um, you know, Monday. And, uh, and so we sort of got that and we checked that box. And you're right. You know, typically we have an average of about a 13% correction or drawdown every year. And so I'm glad that we, that we had one there. We've checked that box. We, we accomplished that. Um, do I think we'll have more volatility? I, I do. I think, again, it'll be sort of this tug of war between good growth numbers and uh, interest rates that are trying to move higher. 
to just indicate a little bit higher future inflation expectation around those growth numbers. Um, at the end of the day, the deal is fundamentally this economy is doing quite well, and it's not just a U.S. story this time around. We've got expansions in in basically all four major economies of the world underway: uh, Japan, Europe, China, and the U.S. That's never happened before, and so the bias is still to the upside. I would say on risk assets, and and if there's volatility along the way at the Bonson Group, we love that. You know, we get to take uh, upgrade our positions. We had to. Uh, shares that you own at lower prices and and move forward. And, and ultimately, it's a benefit to client returns in the long run. And so I hope we do see some more volatility. And I say that, um, you know, a little reluctantly, I, I, you know, I don't want people to worry about it. And, and um, you know, to the, to the extent that we can kind of talk them through it, of course, we will, and, and we love doing that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, fundamentally, this time around, it, it, the, the reality is things are looking uh, fairly good for the year. And so in the short term, we get a Friday, a Monday that's down and a Tuesday, Wednesday that's up. Uh, it's all good. You know, it's just part of the deal. Um, what we really care about is fundamentals and as bottom up stock pickers, how uh, those fundamentals flow through to actual cash flows and dividends to clients and so on and so forth. So, so in terms of our market philosophy and investment behavior, where we we have uh, certain things we're trying to obtain around a client's uh, tolerance for that risk and volatility, and and when those stories aren't impeded fundamentally, we we do our best not to let um, hiccups like Monday get in the way, and we and we do our best to continue staying disciplined and diligent. It's a great great recap and 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 great explanation, kind of 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 our approach. Well, let's let's get off of the kind of market volatility talk for a second and just sort of give the listeners a little inside baseball here at the the Bonson group. So we we leave Morgan Stanley, we go independent, uh we we want the ability to um present any products and services to clients we want in a completely conflict-free environment to custodian their assets where we want to work directly for the client, only receive revenue from clients and not have revenue sources that are potential conflicts all over the place. Um, and, and and all of those things are very client-centric. I don't imagine there's too many listeners right now that don't know uh, how much we believe in those things and, and how uh, vital they are to receiving financial advice um, in the most uh, responsible and and sensible way possible, that their advisor be uh, uh, legally obligated to act in their best interest. It sounds so profound, doesn't it? My my advisor actually operates in my best interest. It's crazy. So so we know all that, and we could we could harp on fiduciary more. But Brian, I'm kind of curious. So tell me something else about our move to independence. Outside of those obvious client fiduciary kind of benefits, but some other element, maybe the freedom or 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 whatever you want to focus on that has really been enjoyable for you, something that's just been a great aspect of this move that you'd like to kind of highlight. Sure. Well, you know, I think it, you know, that the move to the fiduciary world is was for all the reasons that you mentioned. You know, we want, you know, we we love what we do. We're uh, in this for the long run, we we want to be able to have a platform and a paradigm that is the best suited for our clients. And we found a better one than the house that we were at in the new uh, fiduciary world that we're in, legally obligated to put our clients' interests first. You know, I think some of the things um, that we found uh, 
um, great joy in uh, doing this as well is what we're doing right now, which is we're sharing our thoughts and we're sharing our opinions and we're proud of them. And we're, um, you know, able to kind of convey those uh, in, an, uh, in an open and public forum to clients, to prospective clients, to anybody that wants to listen. And being in um, a wirehouse world, you're really not not allowed to do that or, or, or certainly not able to. And so the freedom to let be me, able let me to interrupt just to, I, you said it earlier, but I just want to clarify, we, Brian and I use this term wirehouse all the time. So just so everyone's clear, cause a few people probably aren't, you know, we mean it as, um, it's a little industry jargon word for the big firms, the big wall street brokerage firms. You know, it's funny post financial crisis. There's really not that many of them left anymore. Morgan Stanley bought Smith Barney. Smith Barney itself had already uh, acquired a handful of others over the years. So you have UBS, you have Wells Fargo, you have Merrill Lynch, which is owned by Bank of America. So, you know, there's a few, but when we say wirehouse, we're referring to those kind of big firms and both you and I kind of came from that background earlier in our careers. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Yep, yep, yep. And um, and so, um, you know, part of being here outside of that uh, paradigm is that we can offer our clients, um, you know, vendors, we can kind of customize the platform that we use um, rather than sort of a one size fits all for, you know, 15,000 different advisors at one company. We can really make ours more boutique, more specialized. And again, just have the freedom to really customize something that's special uh, for clients to help them accomplish their financial goals. And, you know, be able to share our opinions, have the freedom to, you know, go on TV. David is on Fox Business and CNBC, gosh, weekly, right? I mean, at this point, and, and that's, that's a joy and it's, it's, uh, it's fun and we love this stuff and we're going to do it for a long, long time. And so uh, this new paradigm that we're in is, is just better suited for our business. And that's not to say that so there's great people at these other firms. There are. And, and I really enjoyed my tenure there. Um, but for us, this was the right move uh, to independence um, through Hightower. So, um, you know, th those are some things um, I would note uh, with it. And so uh, when we left, I believe we had eight employees, all of which had been with us at Morgan Stanley. They all came with us. We brought our whole team. We brought all of our clients that we invited to come. They all came with us. Um, and then we've, of course, since doubled the size of our team. Uh, do you have any really funny behind the scenes stories you want to share to get us in trouble with some of our other team members? Anything people out there may want to know about Daya or Kenny or something they don't know? I know <laughs> we're all too smart to tell on Don or Kimberly. They won't put up with it. But should we should we uh, rat out someone else on the team here? Well, let's see. I'd have to think about that here. But um, I can tell you that through that transition and you have to imagine trying to move, you know, first of all, eight, eight employees, everybody to come on board and say, yes, we're going to do something different and take that leap of faith, so to speak, was a was was something in and of itself. But then to move over the entire business, which is to ask all of our clients, maybe at the time, you know, 300 or so and, and you know, 1100 accounts, something like that, just the the amount of work it took to do that uh, through that transition did bring out the best and also, in some sense, maybe some moments of stress uh, between all of us. And so that was a real kind of unifying experience at the Bonson Group for all of us. Um, looking back, I, I chuckle at it. Um, looking back at just an entire office full of packets of paperwork, each one three inches thick, and trying to get you know several hundred people to sign them all within a short period of time was quite, quite a process. And I, I guess I'll just make fun of myself uh, because I, I really want to 
uh, through that time, at least congratulate and, and appreciate, you know, the work that everybody did. But I, I do remember after about a 20 hour day and David and I were, uh, had taken rooms in, uh, in a hotel nearby the office just to be close so that we could work. But I do remember. I'd like, after- to, I'd like to clarify, we took separate rooms. <laughs> you, you, you had a room and I had a room. Okay. Yep. Moving on. Very, very, very true. Yep. Yep. Just to be close to the office and, and so on and so forth. But I do remember after a 20 hour uh, day, literally on the phone all day long with clients and walking them through the new paradigm and how excited we were. And of course they were excited as well. And, and just kind of the logistics of getting them to come on over. Um, I realized I hadn't eaten, uh, or really drank at anything, I think for the whole day. Um, and so there was a point where I, it must've been 10 o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night. And I literally had to go into the office and there was half drinking water bottles that people had, and I was guzzling them down and, I, uh, I'll admit something. I, I actually ate some uh, tater tots out of a Carl's Jr. bag that was actually in the trash there that uh, I had left there the day before. So um, kind of a funny little story, but it's just something in my mind that I remember. And it, it just it, it speaks to just the passion, the ambition uh, that we had at the time. And it well, was, and I think it speaks to how good the tater tots at Carl's <laughs> Jr. are. But I, I'd never heard of the story. So that's that's good to know. And, and uh, you know, I think um that it, those types of things uh, will happen in a transition. You know, probably the bulk of people listening right now are clients and, and investors and so forth. But to the extent that there may be some other financial advisors listening, we'll tell you if you're preparing for a transition, uh, just be prepared to eat some tater tots from the day before at Carl's <laughs> Jr. You, there's no no rest in it. But, you know, it's um it, it's something that uh, we are, are so plou- proud that we did. It's coming up now in three years and, and, and so grateful to our clients who joined us. The fi- financial advisors that, that do a transition Look, I, I like. I, I think they should be prepared for a lot of funny stories like that, and and they may very well uh, be eating tater tots the next day. But uh, I, the rewarding aspects are just unbelievable, and 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 it's fun to be able to kind of talk about it, reminisce a little of those those periods. I mean, it seems like forever ago, but but that ability now to just have this freedom to serve our clients the way we want, and it's ironic. We're sitting here on a podcast talking about it and a podcast is something we never could have done in our in our past life. And so the 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 ability to get an article out the day the market drops a thousand points to say what we want to to have the freedom of content uh, creation and content distribution to have all the different services we're able to provide now and do it all in the client's best interest. It sounds almost like uh, this is all kind of impromptu. Right? We didn't mean to go down this route, but it sounds almost like a commercial and that isn't really the intent. But the reality is, is that uh, it's been, it's been incredible and, and it was great that we were able to kind of go through all that together and, and, and look back at it now. So here we are. Well, yeah. let, we'll, we'll get ready to kind of wrap up a little. I'm going to ask you kind of rapid fire. So give me maybe a 20 to 30 second answer on five things here real quick, just sort of what your take on it is in the present environment. And I'll start with everybody's favorite Bitcoin. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, yeah. So my take on it is this. I mean, I don't think it's a viable investment. I mean, I think it's something that exists. You're seeing credit card companies and banks around the world uh, in countries start to limit or restrict the use of it. Um, so my take on it is that, 
it's not in the investment paradigm for me to really talk about with clients. I, I fielded a few phone calls. I'm sure you have about it, but yeah, gosh, it went up a lot. Now it's down a lot. I don't know. Might go to zero, might go to 50,000. I think it might do both of those things perfectly frank, but um, not something that we're really looking at from a, a viable investment standpoint. That's for sure. Okay. Back to our rapid fire. Number two, emerging markets investing 2018. I think that in 2018, emerging markets will continue to out outperform. We had a good year last year. I think that continues this year. I think it's a good diversifier for our client portfolios. And we're focused on the part of those emerging markets that is really, you know, centered around the consumer in those emerging worlds and uh, continue to do that. Okay. Rapid fire. Number three, fiduciary. I think we spent some time on it, but it's, you know, fiduciary is, is essentially a, a, a cornerstone of what we do at the Bonson Group. We're here to uh, legally be obligated to put our clients' interests first. I honestly think for any investor in anywhere, uh, if you're working with an advisor that isn't a fiduciary, I'd, I'd consider uh, switching to one that is. Very good. Number four, Trump and the stock market. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. Well, I think uh, there's been some credit taken for the rally uh, and not to be political one way or the other, but um, I think really the, the fundamentals are what's behind the stock market rather than the person himself. I think that um, there's some, I guess I'll use the word volatility around uh, his public persona uh, with tweets and things. And to the extent the market's done really well with earnings growth, which is what's driven it, um, I would say because of the volatility with the person, you actually have a, a discount in the market priced in. And, and, and so we'll have to see how that plays out. But um, happy to see markets are doing well and, and not sure if I would uh, correlate them exactly to the person himself. Okay. Now, the last one is going to be the most challenging. And, and I, I'm putting on the spot here, so I'm preparing you in advance. And then once we're done recording, you can yell at me offline. But here's the rule. You cannot say anything like complimentary or flattery about me. Number five, Working with David Bonson. <laughs> so nothing complimentary. Okay, I'll say this. It's um, as, as probably most that know David may have guessed, uh, there's a certain intensity to it. Um, and so it's kind of like uh, trying to keep up with someone in a marathon that is just, you know, running a two and a half minute mile the whole time and you're trying to keep up. So I don't know if that's complimentary or not, but uh, I would say that there's a high level of intensity and, and, uh, it's both uh, rewarding and enjoyable and also can be, uh, as you might guess, uh, you know, challenging at times uh, and things. But uh, um, so I don't know if that skated the line between a compliment and uh, some some real truth. But uh, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, w I wish I could run a, a two and a half minute mile in real life. But but at least uh, I'll I'll be content to try to get it done at the office every day. Well, look, Brian, it's been a pleasure to have you on this uh, this uh, advice and insights podcast. Um, we welcome uh, client questions. And as a matter of fact, because our next week's podcast is going to be entirely devoted to answering questions from you, the listeners, whether you're a client or not, send an email to us, bonsongroup at hightoweradvisors.com. And uh, I'm going to be kind of just sitting here with one of the members of our strategy and communications team, a uh, wonderful uh, young man named Peter Von Verhus, who's been with us for a couple years now. Peter's going to read the questions to me. I'm not going to get to see them in advance, 
and I'm going to just answer your questions one by one. So email us, Bonson Group at HightowerAdvisors.com. Any questions you have about the market, about your portfolio, about uh, financial planning, or or some other subject, including the tater tots from Carl's Jr., although it's my partner, Brian, who apparently is the expert on that. So I'll <laughs> let good. Brian do the send-off. Thanks for listening. And uh, Brian, go ahead and take us out. Well, I appreciate everybody listening, and it's been a pleasure for me to be a part of this, and I look forward to, to doing it many times uh, in the future and um, hang in there with these markets, and uh, we shall talk to you very soon. Thank you all. Thank you for listening to our Advice and Insights podcast with David L. Bonson. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.